G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Tuesday does roll around very quickly and as we do on a Tuesday at this time, we get an update on breaking news as it's coming out of the Middle East and especially as it relates to the nation of Israel. And there are some significant things being talked about in the news with regard to the possibilities of new peace plans in the Middle East. Ron Ross is back with us. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's talk about peace plans because, as I understand it, this is not all concrete yet. We've been talking in previous weeks about the likelihood of a new peace process. What's the latest that's come out overnight? Well, there's a bit of bickering going on between the United States and uh, media outlets, at least in Israel. Uh, They made certain reports, uh, particularly Channel 2 TV News, And I've just received a report today that says uh, a comprehensive Arab-Israeli peace plan is not the aim right now, says a senior U.S. official. A senior Trump administration official has dismissed Sunday's report on Channel 2 News that the president was planning to put a peace plan on the table that included all the Arab countries together with Israel. The news report also said that the Israel government was of the opinion that President Trump could very well exact a price from any side that would object to the plan, making it difficult for Benjamin Netanyahu to refuse to negotiate. The American official appeared to reject that notion as well. We are engaged in a productive dialogue with all relevant parties about an enduring peace deal, he said, but are not going to put an artificial deadline on anything. We have no imminent plans beyond continuing the conversation. As we've always said, our job is to facilitate a deal that works for both Israelis and Palestinians, not to impose anything on them. So it looks like we just keep watching. We keep watching, but your thoughts for a few moments on this issue, Ron, because... It appears to be one of those sorts of speculations that could be meaningless and uh, and uh, and awkward, or in actual fact, it could be a master stroke. The idea of not putting pressure on Israel and the Palestinian Authority, which is what we mostly think of when we think about Middle East peace, uh, but de-emphasizing those sorts of talks and making it about all of the players in the region. Is this a good move? How do you see that? Well, I think it's a uh, a gem of making a deal. Uh, by bringing all the Arab nations into the conversation, I think it brings pressure everywhere. At the moment, the Arabs are leaning more towards Israel than they are the Palestinian Authority, and there's major friction uh, within the Palestinian Authority between uh, the two major groups, the Hamas group and the uh, the other, but uh, it's, it seems to me it's a good deal because publicly and openly uh, the negotiations from the United States are saying you guys have to make an, a decision and you have to make it uh, for your own safety and security. Uh, 
We'll be watching this space fairly carefully, and I imagine that uh, the world's media will be picking up on this story uh, over the next days to come as well. Let's talk about the big anniversaries that are coming up. Of course, uh, the charge of the light horse on Beersheba and, of course, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. There's another big centennial celebration and the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is off to London next week for a centennial for the Balfour Declaration. Uh, What's that all about, Ron? Yeah, He's going to be uh, going to London at the beginning of next month, very early. And uh, this will be his second visit to Britain in a year after his meeting there with the Prime Minister Theresa May last February. During that meeting, the British Prime Minister invited Netanyahu to take part in events making the, uh, marking the centennial of the Balfour Declaration. Though the itinerary for the visit has not yet been announced, Netanyahu is expected to meet with May and other senior British officials during the trip. He's tentatively set to leave on Wednesday, November the 1st, and return to Israel on Sunday, November 5. May has steadfastly rejected Palestinian demands that Britain apologise for the Balfour Declaration, the seminal document issued on November the 2nd, 1917, that helped pave the way for the establishment of Israel. She has been saying it's one of the most important letters in history. Writing in September in a magazine published by the Conservative Friends of Israel, May wrote that the anniversary would be uh, acknowledged with pride. Uh, I know that there are some reactions in uh, Britain already uh, that are negative towards the celebration, and I think uh, Netanyahu will probably receive a mixed reception. Ron, let's turn our attention a little further to the south, and Israel has condemned a deadly attack on Egyptian police. What's that story? Well, on Saturday, Israel said it strongly condemned an attack in which 16 Egyptian policemen were killed outside Cairo, urging countries to unite to fight terror. Israel strongly condemns the severe terrorist attack in the Al-Wahat al-Bahiri area in Egypt, and sends condolences on behalf of the people of Israel to Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi and the people of Egypt, and sends wishes for a quick recovery to the injured, the Israeli Prime Minister's office said in the statement. They said there is no difference between the terrorism that strikes in Egypt and the terrorism that strikes in other countries. Terrorism will be defeated quicker if all countries are united in taking action against it. Sixteen Egyptian policemen were killed in a shootout with militants on the road between Cairo and the Bahia Oasis in the Western Desert. The Interior Ministry in Cairo said on Saturday it was a rare flare-up outside the Sinai Peninsula. Let's get a focus on Israel and its enemies. No secret that Israel has enemies. Uh, Some of those surrounding Islamic nations would like to see Israel wiped off the face of the map. Now, Iran has praised Hamas with their threats to destroy Israel and defy the US. How's that headline look? Yeah, Iran congratulated the Hamas terrorist organisation for its belligerence related to the Jewish state and its refusal to disarm as a precondition to joining the Palestinian unity government. A delegation led by Hamas Deputy Chief Salah al-Aruri 
landed in Tehran on Friday for top-level meetings with Iranian officials. An official of the Tura Group uh, said that they had come to report on the recent reconciliation meetings held with the Palestinian Authority. Hamas has reportedly agreed to let the Palestinian Authority resume its administrative governance over the Gaza Strip, and we talked about that last week. In reaction to this deal, the Israeli government, backed by the United States, stated that there would be no negotiations with the United Palestinian factions unless Hamas recognized Israel, disarmed and severed its ties with Iran. On a sideline to this one, Neil, uh, it was interesting to note that this week Jordan has refused Hamas a, uh, a, a residence within their, their, their land. Uh, they were trying to get an embassy uh, in Jordan, and the Jordanians said no. There's a good news story or two, Ron. Uh, a 100-year-old Polish woman has been honoured for saving Jews in the Holocaust. Heroes like this are getting fewer and farther between, so it is worthy of reporting. Yeah, I guess you've got to be 100 to, to get there. Alexander Sibolska, a Polish woman who will turn 100 on November 11, and her husband, Kazimierz, who died in 2002 at the age of 94, were presented on Thursday with the Righteous Among the Nations Award for risking their lives to save Jews during World War II. Now, this Righteous Among the Nations really moves me. I've walked the, uh, the, the, the Remembrance Walk at Yad Vashem Holocaust Memorial many, many times and looked at tributes to people like Corrie Ten Boom, and now Alexander Sabulska is there too. During to her age and health, the award was presented as a ceremony in Gdynia, northern Poland, by the Deputy Israeli Ambassador to Poland, Ruth cohen The couple was recognized for rescuing Sonia Berkowicz, who was born on the 15th of September 1933 in August, Poland. The couple were friends of Sonia's parents before the war broke out. The entire family of the girls was deported by the Nazi Germans to the ghetto in Treko, Belarus, but in the spring of 1942, Sonia and her brothers knocked on the Sobolskas' door uh, in the village of Jaskis and asked for food. The couple housed and fed the children for several days, but the boys returned to the ghetto and were taken to the death camp. The website of Poland, the Jewish Museum in Warsaw, wrote that with the help of a local priest, Sonia was given a false certificate declaring that she'd been baptized a Christian under the name Zofia Fligio. She remained with the Sabokas until 1943. And before I let you go, Ron, of course we know that the Vision Tour is underway at the present time. More than 100 people are part of that tour to Israel and they'll be there for the 100-year celebration of the charge of the light horse on Beersheba. But a couple of our team were able to attend a major gathering in Israel uh, where the Israelis warmly welcomed Christian journalists. Uh, what's the story that you've been monitoring from the headlines? There's about 130 journalists from 30 countries participated in the four-day summit, uh, which ends, by the way, on Wednesday. The world's largest broadcasters, including the Christian Broadcasting Network, Daystar, uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network and God TV were all there. Nitsen Chen, 
the director of Israel's government press office, said he believed the summit was overdue and that planners chose the 50th anniversary celebrations of Israel's capture of East Jerusalem as a fitting occasion. For many years, Israel has held a summit for Jewish media outlets, cultivating those journalists as unofficial ambassadors to help promote Israel's image abroad. He said, using the same logic, it decided to reach out to Christian media in what could become a regular event. Sessions include discussions on archaeology and Jewish-Christian relations, but also radical Islam and alleged media bias, legal warfare and Palestinian incitement. The media summit extends what has become a warm relationship between Israel and its evangelical supporters, he said. Very good. And of course, uh, it's Ian and Mandy Warby who are leading that vision tour and uh, they've been able to coincide a visit to that particular gathering as part of the tour to Israel. Uh, Ron, always so good getting your insights. Thanks so much for monitoring those headlines as they've been coming out overnight. Appreciate your update once again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.